So I happen to read this Mokuna Puririns are being used, have been used by Indian Ayurvedic medicine for large, for thousands of years and for treating the peoples with uh, mental problem, Parkinson, paralysis, etc. All sorts of uh, neurological disorders and uh, have been, I mean, this uh, particular plant extract, seed extract have been used. It's not only in India, this is the Japanese uh, encyclopedia. There also there is a mention about uh, this puririn, but uh, when compared to ours, and again, depending on the place where it grows, uh, the quantity will be different, levodopa will be different. And this is why you say 3 to 7%. And our soil and our weather is best suited for growing medicinal plants. Just mentioned was Kabasura Pudinir, or it is Kabasura Churana. This is a Siddha medicine. This was used very extensively in southern India, especially in Tamil Nadu. Uh, government of Tamil Nadu has distributed to all the people uh, in the form of kashai hot drink uh, during the peak, uh, I mean, during this uh, uh, pandemic period. And uh, there were a lot of claims by the Siddha doctors that they could treat it 100% and there were no casualty. The title for today's discussion is the scientific validation of traditional herbal medicines. Myself is uh, Professor Shekhar and I'm working in a specialized department called Department of Bioelectronics and Biosensors at Alabama University in Karakudi. This is uh, one of the unique and very specialized department and uh, uh, there are only very few around the world and India is the one in our university. And I've been working here for the past 12 years. Something I've written at the bottom in Tamil that I will come to it later. At the end also I have the same. Okay. So this, I just wanted to briefly tell something about my university, which is, uh, no, before that, which is located at the extreme south of uh, India. You could see that we are very close to uh, Sri Lanka uh, than the rest of the uh, even Tamil Nadu. As you could see here, this place is uh, Karakudi. We always refer to our place as the one close to Rameshwaram because we are all very familiar with the Rameshwaram. Uh, the university is named after uh, Dr. Alagapu Chetiar, the gentleman, the philanthropist who has donated all his fortunes for the cost of higher education in this uh, part of India. And uh, he has been responsible for the establishment of the university and also a number of educational institutions and also a research institute called Sikri in our uh, uh, town. Next door is Sikri's CSIR laboratory, which is also originally sponsored and funded by him with land and lot of money in those days in the early 50s. So it's a state university, basically. It's completely state university. It's not a private one. The name is just because uh, to acknowledge and recognize and respect the gentleman who has uh, donated all, both land and money, the university is named after, otherwise it's a state university. 
and the department i just briefly it's going to be i mean you will come across a number of scientific slides i assure you that it's not going to be i'm not going to discuss much of science but uh, i'm going to introduce the concepts uh, methodology and also the outcome which is uh, essential so to substantiate my title that the scientific validation of the traditional medicine and uh, before uh, going into the detail uh, i just wanted to briefly introduce my department biosensors and then how it is related to uh, the current topic of validation of, of herbal science so bioelectronics and biosensors as i just pointed out this is a very unique uh, uh, department and uh, bioelectronics is nothing but the study of electronics a branch of electronics which deals with the study of electric current bioelectric current that happens in all living organisms that is that particularly in the human being to be very precise and to be very simple and every one of us have electricity within us this is so called bioelectricity the existence of such bioelectricity within the living organism was established way back in 1791 by this medical doctor named luigi galvani in italy and since then this continues to be one of the very intensively investigated topic and even in 2013 there are publications in the same explaining how the electric current or bioelectricity plays important role in the formation of the fetus and with the modern tools you see what you see here is the camera i mean uh, the frog bioelectric pattern that was obtained from the fetus of the frog so this is very important topic and to some extent uh, you know unfortunately our country did not focus much on this topic and now it is high time that uh, the, because most of the modern diagnostic tools in medicine are based on this concept of bioelectricity in the living organism particularly human being that we are going to focus so this is about bioelectricity and the other one is uh, biosensors biosensors are i i show it in the biosensors are nothing but you know the, the electronic devices or analytical devices which converts biological response into electrical signal that is the general definition but i always try to explain this with the sensors we biosensors that we are having every individual is having bio five senses we all know sight hearing taste tongue skin and nose these are the five senses or sensors biosensors with which we are connected to the external field this means environment this means we acquire all sorts of information from the environment and the message is passed on to the brain process brain gives command and we act accordingly so essentially these are the biosensors that uh, we that is being tried to you know uh, to understand and also to duplicate that is the very objective or main purpose of uh, starting in a work in the area of biosensors the other typical example commercial biosensors that we give is the glucometer and pregnancy tester and there are number of uh, such uh, analytical devices that we use in daily life 
but you all might uh, you know know one thing that there are number of about 20% of the indian population are projected to be diabetic and in another few years to come it is uh, going to be 20% already a large number of people are uh, diabetic and the number of such sensors are being used as in the form of glucometer at home to get to know or to screen the glucose levels and uh, to my knowledge most of them are being imported including the pregnancy test from elsewhere that the country has to focus in this area because not only a glucometer and pregnancy tester number of analytical devices are used in the field of diagnostics medical monitors and biowarfare and food safety etc and uh, biosensors are gaining momentum because of its very selective rapid and the sensitive detection of the target analyte see in the past maybe 10 years 20 years back when you get to know about what the glucose level is or what the urea level or cholesterol level or any kind of analytic such diagnosis has to be done we need to give, we we had to give the sample blood sample and urine sample and wait for a few hours to one a day to get to know the results but now almost most of the diagnosis are instant you get, you get the results the, in a few seconds sometimes so these all because of the development of the biosensors so i, I introduced this uh, biosensors because these are the ones that i am going to employ for the scientific testing and validation of the herbs herbal medicines or traditional medicines this is reason why i am introducing this in greater detail and also to emphasize the importance of the modern analytical devices so not only uh, the the point I mean, uh, glucometer and other devices there are number of places where the biosensors are playing key role for example the study of biomolecules and their interaction interaction diagnosis both clinical and laboratory drug development crime detection environmental quality control industrial process detection systems for biological warfare man pharmaceuticals especially nowadays implanted and replacement of organs and also biosensors play a key role in the field of agriculture food quality control and uh, etc such an important field next so nowadays the focus is on the point of care devices the number of devices have come into the market starting from Uh, the sensors which work on you know the portable sensors which are used you know you see the number of uh, sensors that is already being used right from monitoring the physical health and etc uh, uh, etc et i'm not going to detail because these are the ones which are already available in the market and many of us have started using it what i'm going to talk about in the next slide is still though Uh, you know it, though the, it looks like uh, you know a lot has been done in the field of medical diagnosis and there is nothing that we need to uh, do more but when we think like that in reality there are number of places where still uh, work has to be done especially the neurotransmitter detection neurotransmitters are nothing but the chemical messengers as i told you all the informations or uh, messages are collected from different organs when you look at this uh, picture and then the message is taken to the brain 
and the brain gives command and accordingly we work and uh, so this is why it is called chemical messengers neurotransmitters are the chemicals very small am amount of chemicals of the order of microgram milligram picogram etc it's it's very very small nanogram level chemical but these small amount of chemicals are responsible for all our actions both physiological psychological emotional all sorts of actions and these chemicals for example dopamine and acetylcholine number of them i am going to tell in and they are all working a very small for example this is the you know okay they are very small in quantity as i just pointed out they take care of all our actions you know starting from concentration energy alertness mood control cognitive functions uh, anxiety attention appetite aggression motivation pleasure happiness this dopamine is nowadays well known as happy chemical serotonin and all these combined together they control what we are today both emotionally and physically physiologically so these these chemicals called neurotransmitters have to exist in the right proportion and as long as they are in the right expected or right quantity we are fine but if there is any deviation as you could see in the previous slide say for example excess you see bulk dopamine less of acetylcholine and if there is excessive dopamine then what is required and less of acetylcholine that leads to the symptoms of disease called schizophrenia or where the common name is depression which is again a common problem especially among the youngsters who are involved in the it because of the day and night shift etc so work pressure etc so uh, the, the reason is you know as a, there is imbalance is also a problem this is the point i wanted to mention and uh, the year i just wanted to give one minute please food is nowadays no food is always very important before you know, to sleep please food is always important and our mind health is decided by mind health is decided by what we eat so this is why food is called as uh, a factor which influences the mood to a great extent and nowadays there is a lot of research which correlates the food intake and the mind health and when a person happen to be yes yeah, happen to have a psychotic problem and uh, food the kind of food habit that the individual is undergoing or taking is also taken into account for diagnosis and uh, so for any useful diagnosis okay so for any any useful diagnosis we need to we need to know the precise amount of these chemicals for example again and nowadays what is being sold in the market you can uh, come across in the google and other you know online platforms and also in the drug stores so called happy happy chemicals are in the name of happiness the the claim is or the fact is when you take appropriate amount of these chemicals neurochemicals or neurotransmitters dopamine endorphin oxytocin serotonin and you are uh, the individual is uh, expected to be happy all the time so this means these are the chemicals which drives happiness from whatever you do or whatever you take whatever you acquire or whatever the recognition reward or all these are decided or taken to the brain and given a feel that you are happy is decided by this chemical 
but there is a problem see for example if there is excess or uh, as i just mentioned if there is an excess is also a problem if there is a loss of this chemical is also a problem meaning that the balance amount should be there and even in case for example serotonin is to take this is again a very important neurochemical which influences the personality especially the happiness of the individual very much they work differently with men and women same serotonin level which is when it is poor and the symptoms are different in men and women or kind of problem that the men and women undergo because of the same chemical are different men becomes you know adhd and a woman becomes anxious anxiety men become alcoholic women become depressed and men become anger and rudeness and this uh, woman become emotional likewise there is a difference between the way these chemicals works in men and women and again depending on the age depending on the quantity that is excreted i mean that exists or that is secreted in the brain the personality is decided happiness level is decided our activeness our uh, uh, memory power anything that you name out will be decided by these chemicals so it is very important that these chemicals have to be determined have to be measured very precisely when you want to understand the mental health or mind health of the individual that is very important but in reality despite having many modern analytical diagnostic tools it is continue it continues to be very difficult to measure the precise quantity that is because of the complexity in the brain chemistry so brain chemistry is indeed complex that is because of the you know the the, the ke- different chemical status of these chemicals for example we take this l tyrosine is amino acid that we get mostly in the food like uh, cheese butter and milk and again uh, some kind of some meats and through which we get or when we intake uh, l tyrosine this is amino acid you don't need to worry about it but once it gets in with the assistance of one enzyme called tyrosinase hydroxylase it becomes l dopa l dopa i have highlighted this is what is what i am going to talk about in the in the case of traditional medicine where it exists so it becomes l dopa l dopa is the precursor for the dopamine dopamine we all know on nowadays that is the a very important influential chemical for the happiness of the individual or uh, there are there are not only happiness there are many other uh, roles the dopamine plays and the dopamine becomes norepinephrine again with the help of the uh, enzyme and norepinephrine becomes epinephrine these are sequence of chemical changes that continuously happens in the human beings and especially even now when uh, the psychiatric diagnosis are being done based on the symptoms and the, because there is no tool or uh, there is no way that we can measure these chemicals precisely so still there is a big demand for developing for for the development of uh, analytical devices in the form of sensors to get to measure this very precisely and now as i just pointed out uh, because of the non availability of the devices symptom based psychiatrists 
uh, use even psychologists and uh, family members to get to know how the patient behaves and how the patient acts and then decide mostly it is qualitative not quantitative so the point now i just take home messages that we need to know the chemicals presence at any any time so this is a continuous process and this is the reason why thyroxin becomes dopa dopa becomes dopamine norepinephrine epinephrine this is a continuous process and this is the reason why our moods keep changing we are happy sometimes we are normal and uh, angry and uh, then uh, sad you know all this mood swing is governed by the change uh, by such chemistry change so uh, even if we happen to measure the in the individual these chemicals at a given time in another 10 minutes you do not know how the individual is going to behave so this means chemistry must have been changed and uh, so we need to have a device or may which can monitor the continuous changes and these kind of sensors are uh, now being investigated very intensively as uh, you know the, the the world is concentrating on the artificial intelligence and also other machine learning etc there are also sensors are very much required so uh, our target based by looking at this literature we have decided to develop sensors using metal oxide nanoparticles that is how i get into this field and so we our idea was to develop sensors for every individual and or simultaneously at one time we want to measure all these chemicals then only we will come to no plus minus so that is how we have started okay we we made use of nano oxide nano materials i'm not going to spend much on how we developed because this may not be inter- this may not be you know interesting for all we made use of metal oxide one of them is tungsten oxide okay this is how the preparation was then metal oxide nanoparticles i have highlighted here was prepared and taken here as a electrode material for sensing so the material you take the blood we take the blood and prepare the serum and put it here and in this electrode cell and then we quickly measure in in a minute or so we quickly measure what are the neurochemicals and how much what are the neurochemical percent and how much is the quantity that we will be able to measure very quickly that is the advantage of this method so we have successfully applied and made use of the you just remember one this one word here l dopa precursor for dopamine we have made or we have made a device to measure l dopa at physiological ph of 7.2 nano mole level very small quantity can be measured and over a wide range that is the only and our sensors are very selective because when you take a plant herb and take the extract and you try to find out what are the especially whether a lower dopa is there or not and then so then selectivity is very important so we made sure that the developed sensor fulfill all the requirements of a good sensor for the specific application so with this uh, i went to the i mean uh, this is just to highlight our sensor is better than the uh, ones reported in the literature by other groups from around the world 
So with this, uh, we went to the, you know, I, I, we have a collaboration with uh, neurological, I mean, doctors and also neurologist and the psychiatrist and also psychologist because we have some centers affiliated research center affiliated to our university and uh, straight away i just told the doctor because of my excitement that we have developed the sensor which can detect level dopa that doctors could use it to diagnose the patient and after listening to me a doctor told a doctor only told doctors in fact a group of doctors told Yes, it is good, but it's not enough for uh, real practical applications because the changes in the neurochemical has to be monitored very continuously. And for that, we need to implant. Uh, the, the small sensor has to be very small. And in many cases where there are brain-dead cases and we have explored all the possibilities for treatment and uh, then we want to try how the chemistry changes and uh, then we want to insert, I mean, uh, implant the sensor. So he, he, they suggested that you can concentrate on a small sensor, which is made up of material which are biologically compatible. When it goes to the brain, there should not be any poisonous or uh, toxic effect or corrosion effect uh, when the device is inside. So they suggested that you make a sensor with better sensitivity and which can be implanted in the brain and can be monitored, then it can be monitored for the changes in the, you know, brain chemistry or the changes in the neurochemical level. So that is the lacuna or the problem that we are given or we have been asked to work. For that, quickly I've chosen hydroxyapatite as the material for sensor along with the carbon nanotube. Hydroxyapatite is nothing but a bone material. Our bone is made up of hydroxyapatite. The entire bone, the major percentage, about 70% is hydroxyapatite bone material that we have prepared in the laboratory in a very small nanoparticle form. And obviously carbon nanotube we add. And both of them are biocompatible. This means when I make a small sensor and when it is given, put it in the brain, it will not affect anything, but at the same time perform well. So this is about hydroxyapatite. The best example I have given here, hydroxyapatite is the you know material used for replacement, especially the teeth replacement and also bone replacement. When, when there is a fracture or if something happens to the bone, then the replacement is artificial bone, we can say, that we have prepared in the laboratory in the form of nanoparticles, very small particles. And similarly, we have prepared the carbon nanotubes, as you could see here in the laboratory. These materials have been working for quite long. When I was in Anna University, I prepared carbon nanotube for my PhD. So it was easy for me to quickly prepare these materials. And uh, then uh, uh, these nanoparticles have been prepared and the composite have been prepared. And uh, this sensor is nothing but an electrode and on the top of which coating has been done. And this is what we did. And then, you know, you can presume that we have made sensors and made the measurement and compared all the sensors which are already available in the market, in the literature. And our sensor happened to be the best one. That is because we were the first one to make the sensor with the biological material. The other interesting aspect, this sensor can be 
used at physiological pH. pH is nothing but you know the the, the pH biological pH of the individual. I mean human being is about 7.2, and if the sensor can work at this seven neutral pH, then we can use it for directly for the measurement. But unlike other people, our sensor happened to be the best and published a paper. And then, uh, of course, uh, again, we went to the doctor and uh, uh, the work, uh, you know, is progressing and there were some other changes and array of sensor for dopamine, serotonin, endorphin, all this work is going on. Now, I'm taking you to the today's topic, that is the scientific validation of herbal medicine. That is how I happen to read this particular uh, velvet seed plant. The botanical name is Mukunapuririn. Mukunapuririn. Otherwise, in our country, it is in our place. It's uh, Ponekali in, in uh, Tamil. Uh, it's uh, generally called as velvet seed plant because the seeds are beautiful velvet color. And the Yeldopa, as I introduced, is the brand name or the chemical that is used to treat the people with the Parkinson and other mind health issues. Okay, and it is routinely being prescribed by the doctors. The brand name itself is uh, different, but uh, the basic chemical is Yeldopa, Levodopa. It's Yeldopa. So I happen to read this Mokuna Puririns are being used, have been used by Indian Ayurvedic medicine for large, for thousands of years and for treating the peoples with uh, mental problem, Parkinson, paralysis, etc. All sorts of uh, neurological disorders and uh, have been, I mean, this uh, particular plant extract, seed extract have been used. This is what I read. Then the logical questioning is, this should contain L-dopa. The simple question, I mean, the, the conclusion, logical conclusion is, the seed should contain levodopa in a reasonably uh, good number, I mean, good amount. Then only, this can be used as a, I mean, uh, as a medicine, herbal medicine or Ayurvedic medicine to treat the neurological disorder. That was the, you know, Again, the conclusion that then we thought of testing it. And while reading it, I also come across a number of important uh, you know, findings or important papers related to that. For example, some people have reported or uh, this could contain levodopa 4 to 7 percent. But again, remember, we developed a sensor which are very simple and which can give a result within few, uh, you know, minutes. And uh, also very precise nanogram level can be obtained. And that can be previously, that can be used, you know, directly. Or it's a very small device, it can be taken to the field. But what other people have been done or what is the conventional technology is HPLC, high performance liquid chromatography, mask spectroscopy. Uh, these are very cumbersome technique. It takes almost several hours and it's very expensive, laborious, and it needs chemicals. And accuracy cannot be as good as what we get with the sensor. So earlier, with the kind of conventional technology, people have reported that this plant seed may contain 4 to 7% of levodopa. 
and apart from that it also had some kind of hallucinogenic tryptamines these are also kind of psychiatric you know problem and uh, the chemicals which are responsible for them. and also it has uh, phenols tannins and uh, later we realized that this uh, modern medicine eldopa is derived from velvet beans i mean this this uh, plant seed that was the thing that we uh, realized and uh, and you know another uh, thing when you look at or when you read this carefully i have seen because it is there in my place on the roadside and uh, unnoticed and people uh, nowadays do not uh, you know use it much and uh, and not understanding the importance of this we could see it on the roadside also this plant and another thing i just correlate with biosensor you know uh, this uh, this plant is uh, nematicidic this means the insects cannot go and uh, sit on that or eat this so this is very free like unlike our um, spinach and other vegetables other plants which are hurt or which are destroyed by insects variety of insects then the it's called and, and this people the, because of the toxic nature of this uh, nature of this plant and uh, this insects do not eat it do not bite it so what i infer from this this insects very tiny have a good sensor to detect or to understand that the certain plants only can be edible and some of them cannot be eaten and they make use of their biosensors and understand this happens even to the plant you never see a plant a goat i mean a, an animal a goat or a cow or any animal which is even in the forest eat some plant which are toxic and die whereas the human beings uh, sometimes there are reports and uh, they have eaten some food they have become poisonous and they are even killed toxic plants and uh, so this is an indication that the biosensors in the plant i mean biosensors in the animals and other small organism work well and that they are naturally safe and they are stay away from the toxic environment or dangerous environment and this on the other end this also uh, this is allelopathic activity is also reported this means this plant destroy other plants close by and uh, they maintain or uh, they they are they survive and uh, so this kind of small things but there is a lot of message from these plants here and there there are reports you know this is what i mentioned and if you can google and find out that this plant mukuna kuririn or velvet slant plant has been practiced in india traditional medicine that has practiced in india since vedic times and it was a wonder for me that how our ancestors old people knew that this is this particular plant is of significance especially as certain chemicals which can cure mind problem or neurological problems that is really a wonder and this is a very established medicine it's not just a, you know recently investigated but for centuries or even longer this has been a medicine which is as which has been used by indians we can be proud of it and again 
I, I come to that later. This has other uh, problem. I mean, other chemicals. And one more thing uh, that I happen to read, this also has some kind of small amount of serotonin. Serotonin, I told you before, you know, this is why generally for uh, treating the mental health problem, this was used. And this also has anti-venom capability. This means when there is a scorpion sting or other uh, uh, small insect bitings, and then when it is applied as a paste, it cures. Likewise, it has other antibacterial, antimicrobial, antioxidant. It's a full, it's a rich of medicines, different medicines, and predominantly containing levodopa. Okay, so we did it. Now, I, this is the reason why I introduced the development of the sensor for levodopa. We have developed the number of electrodes and we have tested the seed and also leaves. You know, in uh, Ayurvedic medicine, especially Siddha medicine in our place, so in a plant, when you have a medicinal plant, for sometimes we make use of the root and sometimes we make use of the, you know, only the stem or in some cases flowers or in some cases seed. Now, I used to always have a question if uh, I kind of, uh, you know, out of curiosity, I used to think if this plant is good for treating some disease. Why can't you take any part, any portion, maybe maybe a plant or maybe a leaf or flower or seed? Why can't you take just like that? But our people were so careful in choosing different parts of the plant for different problems or depending on the case. So this was evident from the fact that, uh, you know, the, uh, the levodopa or eldopa quantity was different in the seed when compared to the other portion of the plant, like other parts of the plant, like we have tested seed and leaves. And seed obviously contained, you know, different quantity and leaves contained different. See, for example, you take five grams of this, with five gram of this, and you check. Our sensor can, we can calculate not only the qualitative, qualitative detection, but also quantitative a determination is also possible precisely. We can tell how much is the quantity present in a given amount. So while comparing that, we have realized that uh, the quantity that is present in leaf and seed are different. And uh, this, is, uh, there is, this is an evidence or this is the factor probably or this is the factor due to which different parts of the plants Herbal plants are used to for treating different problems. This is again a very amazing. And you have empty number, large number of plants. I say just as was introduced by Ms. Tanya, that India is blessed to especially our place. We are very close to the equatorial line. So uh, Western Ghats and the, the large number of large variety of plants are growing. Almost all through the year, we have plants. And many of them have potential medicine values that we need to pay attention, look at it scientifically, and tell to the world that yes, ours is uh, you know scientifically proved, and uh, in that way we'll be able to popularize our medicine. This is the one of the objective that why I've chosen this topic. So this is uh, not only I I happen to read it's not only in India. 
this is the japanese uh, encyclopedia there also there is a mention about uh, this superior in but uh, when compared to ours and again depending on the place where it grows uh, the quantity will be different levodopa will be different and this is why you say 3 to 7% and our soil and our weather is best suited for growing medicinal plants and this is uh, the other thing that i have briefly mentioned that the plant seeds contain trace amounts of serotonin nicotine and bupropionin and all these are uh, neurochemicals you know you know this nicotine is also an important neurochemical and uh, the other hallucinogenic tryptamines like this and all uh, and the, all these chemicals so this is the reason why and again one more thing i wanted to tell you that uh, we don't give always you know sometimes we prepare kashayam you know extract and sometimes it is directly given and uh, then i i i was just wondering why what makes the difference why you want to go for kashayam and here you see the the, the underlined line up to 80.8% of the levodopa can be extracted from a velvet seed plant by boiling and soaking for approximately 48 hours uh, i happen to nowadays i read some of the siddha and ayurvedic book and for every kashayam for every medicine there is a description of how to prepare and they say 48 hours 30 hours 36 hours and uh, you take one uh, uh, jar of water and you eat it until it reaches 1/4 or 1/3 and all days and uh, how much of effort that would that could have gone into optimizing such uh, you know precise uh, we are preparing uh, this and this is the interesting point you know this is what is happening in the modern medicine allopathic medicine they take these seeds and uh, do this extraction for uh, quite a long and prepare 90% of the levodopa or 98% of the levodopa and it is being sold to us in the, in the form of tablets so again this is uh, the point i want to the efficiency of the process can be slightly improved by use of course again Uh, when you want to increase this 88 to 90% 99% some sodium bicarbonate need to be added these are uh, the recent findings so we can be really proud that this plant is highly magic and we knew the importance of this for uh, thousands of years and uh, that has being used the other uh, thing i just mentioned was kabasura pudinir or it is kabasura churana this is uh, siddha medicine this was used uh, very extensively in uh, southern india especially in tamil nadu uh, government of tamil nadu has distributed to all the people uh, in the form of kashayam hot drink uh, during the peak uh, i mean during this uh, uh, pandemic period and uh, there were a lot of claim by the siddha doctors that they could treat it 100% and there were no casualty the people who undertook uh, took uh, kabasara kudinir so next uh, i i think i want to avoid this next slide please so this statistics i made me uh, to do some research on this you know when compared to the rest of the world this is uh, today morning i have collected now as of now this is the statistics uh, so many 
you know, crores of people, confirmed cases, death cases, explode 221 lakh and 910 deaths. And when you compare to the international average and also country-specific average, our number of death percentage casualty is very small and uh, percentage of recovery is very high when compared to any other country. This is the only message I wanted to highlight by presenting this table. This uh, we have also witnessed at one point of time, it was really indeed very severe. And then now we are very comfortable and we were comfortable. And so the reason, the, when you look at the literature, including WHO site in the peak days, the reasons attributed for the higher recovery rate and lesser uh, you know, casualty in India were like this. There are more young people in our country with the median average of 28.4. So that is the reason why the death, I mean, casualty was less. And another uh, thing, they may, I mean, I'm not telling, these are the things that I read and it's still available. Statistics are not reliable. They say it, it may not be reliable. And another important thing, which hurt uh, me I, and uh, many of us, Indians have high immunity because they are not clean. So hygienic is not uh, good here. So uh, obviously the immunity is high. That is what they said. But still, uh, but uh, this is the real fact would be our uh, traditional food, traditional medicine, including Siddha, which play a major role in boosting immunity against corona infections. This is the fact. That in order to confirm, in order to prove these empirical facts, our traditional natural medicine must be tested using modern technology and they must be scientifically validated. See, for example, even if you have not taken this Kabasarapudinir, which I am going to talk about, the Siddha medicine, uh, which is made up of 15 herbs, the few of them we are using on a daily basis in our food in, in South India and in the rest of India too. So, Kabasura Kudinir, this is Kabasura Churanam. This is basically, Kaba means uh, this uh, breathing related and uh, the, the one which heals Kaba, cold, is called Kabasura Churanam. Uh, the extract from the Churanam is Kudinir. So, the point is, it is made up of 15 different ingredients, herbs. Uh, here I have given the list, on the other side you see the images. and uh, all of them have, uh, have been are uh, mixed in the equal proportions. For example, uh, you know, uh, one gram each. All the 50, uh, when you mix, you get fifteen grams. And uh, the point which I highlighted here, say in all cases we take different. In some cases, we you can see at the middle of the table, different parts are used: uh, rhizome, this bed, and then fruit, root, leaves, again stem root tuber root. So this is what I just mentioned earlier, that uh, we, we don't take all parts of the plant, we take specific parts of the plant. And uh, this 15, starting from chukku, tipili, and this chukku, tipili, krambu, some of them are used in our uh, food items, you know, in, as, a, as a karam masala, you call, you know, in many, many of them, or some of them are, we are using it on a routinely, I mean, on a routine basis, in the form of food we take, we take. Now, after looking at that, 
I just start started. Uh, we we have a group, and we it's just out of curiosity there are questions. Uh, no, like uh, what is the science of pudding? How does it really? If it, I mean, how does it work? If it is going to immune, I mean, improve the immunity, and if it is going to cure the corona and other. In in fact, in the original text it was not written as a medicine for corona, viral infection. The claim in the original text is. That it can, uh, that it can cure or it can work out against virus and viral infection. That was the original claim, and uh, now that they have applied it to the coronavirus. So now the immediate question, as I just pointed out, why you want to have fifteen herbs, and what are the chemicals present in the herbs, particularly after it becomes an extract in the form of decoction? What are the chemicals present? And what are the proportion of these chemicals? You are taking equal proportion one gram each. Are you ending up with the equal proportion more? No. What are the proportion of these chemicals? And one more important aspect is this kapasara pudinir is served hot, like many other uh, traditional Ayurvedic medicines. You know, you you are advised to keep it in the refrigerator, in room temperature or colder temperature. But this particular kapasara pudding is is served hot. The question is why? What happens when you cool it to the room temperature? So how to determine the frequency? How often? You know, there were a lot of you know saying like advice or a prescription like you take twice a day, thrice a day. You take one cup kashaya, two cup kashaya, and all these. And the kids can be taken or given or not. And pregnant woman can be given or not. All this, uh, you know, there were kind of ambiguity, you know, in in the way it was prescribed, and uh, how does it work, and what are the after effects, side effects, and uh, if it is really good, you know, then why it is not sold outside uh, India and even within India, it is not uh, becoming so popular. I'll make it fast. Okay, so this is what we did. We have taken Kabasura Churanam. This is you see on the top, and uh, it was heated at different temperature in order to see the heating effect. And we have prepared decoction, and then uh, in the parallelly we have prepared a number of new sensors and directly tested it. So that is what we did, and to find out uh, the major chemicals to begin with, major phytocompound that is present, we have used electrochemical sensor. And also spectroscopic method for qualitative checking. Next, so this is the first study we did. We have taken uh, the the decoction, hot decoction. We did uh, you know this uh, spectroscopic study, UV visible spectroscopy, very simple. And the information that we have derived is there is a peak. There is one peak at two seventy one nanometer, which corresponds to the ascorbic acid or nothing but the vitamin C. So uh, the, this is an indication that there could be vitamin C in large quantity, and again, vitamin C is ascorbic acid. This is not a simple chemical as we think. It is really complicated chemical, and it, it also varies in I mean with the temperature and other aspects. So this is another experiment we did with the chemical. So this is the kapasara pudinir, and this is the chemical ascorbic acid in the laboratory. Both of them are matching very well. So we have come to the conclusion that the ascorbic, ascorbic acid is having ascorbic acid or nothing but vitamin C. 
and Aikanal. Aikanal, Eugenal also people call it. Eugenal uh, is also present. So our simple uh, detailed uh, you know, review of the literature indicated that, yes, there is a possibility for uh, ascorbic acid present, vitamin C, and uh, Eugenal is there. It is also possible. Thymol is possible from seragam or chuan and uh, ginger oil from ginger. We use chuku. Chuku is nothing but the dried form of ginger. So all these chemicals are expected to be present based on the literature. And the one difference is that we have prepared the extract using water because we are drinking, taking medicine in the form of water. But many of the characterization are conventional, you know, steady with these uh, independent plant, uh, there are herbs were done by using methanol or ethanol extract. So, but we wanted to be very practical. So, as it is served in the form of decussion, we have taken and did all this. Okay, so this is the experimental procedure, which I already explained. It's not very important. Now, we know that we have developed a new sensor for uh, investigating, new series of sensor for investigating the capacitor coordinate. This is the only next message. Next, oh, this is the only message. Next slide, please. So we did a series of studies. We could estimate the quantity of ascorbic acid in a given amount of uh, liquid, capacitor-coordinate, uh, and that varies from micro-mole to millimole. Very easy. There is a possibility, depending on how much you drink, there can be a small and high concentration. So we need to develop a small sensor which can detect the whole range See, for example, glucometer, if he is a normal person, 80 to 120, for uh, diabetic 1, diabetic 2, it varies up to 300, 400 like that. And also below sugar patient, it goes down to 70, I mean 80. So this means the sensor or glucometer is able to detect the entire range. In the same way, we have developed a sensor which can detect the whole range uh, which is present with this. We could calculate this the calibration graph and we can calculate and come to know how much ascorbic acid is there, how much eugenol is there, etc. So the limit, the detection limit is nanomole level. Very, very, very small level also we can determine. And these sensors are very rugged and we can use it number of times and also it is very selective and can be repeatedly used. This means we have developed a device which can be you know, made like a glucometer, you'd say you pay 10 to 20 rupees for measuring the glucose. But when you go for conventional way of testing, you pay 100 rupees, 200 rupees, etc. And the same way, uh, this electro, our sensor can do, uh, can be used at a very low cost and quick results can be obtained. Similarly, we have developed another sensor based on iron oxide this may, again, one sensor cannot give all because we are using 15 different, uh, uh, you know, herbs. So we wanted to develop more and more of them. Here, another sensor with the ion oxide can tell how much ginger oil, how much thymol is there. Uh, ginger and adjuvine, this is just to ensure that the measurements are perfect, are reliable and reproducible. You see, the another advantage that I wanted to tell you, this one sensor can uh, determine both gingeral and thymol. So this means you don't need one sensor. See, if there is only one, if you take chukku only and want to know how much uh, gingeral is there, 
we can use this and you in some cases you take chukku and uh, ajwain and then you mix them and there what is the quantity present that also we can detect this is what i mean simultaneous this means in using one sensor we can get more and even uh, we have developed two three and uh, the now the the work goes like this you develop five six sensors and get to know major chemicals i mean if i say only four five chemical it is not the only chemicals present we have done mass spectroscopic analysis and found that there are about 200 uh, different chemicals present but all of them are very very small and some of them have, do not have any medicinal value do not have any impact on the human health also so we are concentrating on the major chemicals major phytochemicals present on that see this is for kabasara pudineer we did this experiment you see from 500 micro say 50 micro liter to 400 it keeps on increasing so this means when you take 10 ml you take certain amount of ginger ale thymol and see why one can ask a question this thymol eugenol ascorbic acid and all these are edible eatable and what is wrong if you take little more so that you can ask but there are even particularly eugenol if it happens to be excessive then the who recommended level it is going to harm the liver and kidney so any chemical for that matter especially this uh, chemicals even if it happens to be edible tamil in tamil we say alavukku meerinal amildamum nanju even if it happened to be you know very special food amirdam if it exceeds the limit it's going to be a poison nanju so we need to know how much we take so that is the reason why i emphasize that uh, quantity i mean precise uh, measurement of these chemicals are very important so we did it so this is the message from here so now uh, this this question i just wanted to address why we wanted to drink hot and in every corner of the street uh, during the peak corona days people kept this in the hot pot i mean especially in the the uh, drums hot drums and it was served very hot with the in the stainless steel tumblers and that is the question very tricky question i asked so what we did is we have prepared very hot 60 degree i mean 100 degree nearly boiling temperature and then we have started making measurement both spectroscopic and also uh, electrochemical sensor measurement every 10 minutes every you know year 15 minutes every 15 minutes once we kept on measuring this and as you can see within first 45 minutes or so there is a lot of change in the chemistry and here it can be seen in the first 30 minutes you see this peak has come down and here also it is has come down so this means within first 30 minutes lot of chemical changes takes place and it comes to another chemical state they simply i used to explain in the form of ascorbic acid reacting with metal ions becoming ascorbate what metal ions is potential is zinc zinc is very highly you know the, the probable uh, trace element present in the kabasara pudineer zinc ion react with the ascorbic acid at very i mean it is uh, really cold it becomes a reaction is completed and you get ascorbate this means once you drink hot 
you get the desired effect it goes as it or if it becomes a uh, you know cold then you drink it is a different chemical it may not give you the desired effect medicinal effect so this is the reason why uh, i mean why this was served uh, in a very art this is very very interesting uh, finding and nobody else have done this so far because other techniques cannot be used for uh, doing experiments so rapidly and we did it and this was work is published in a good journal called food chemistry and many of them are published but this is recently published in a food chemistry with uh, a good impact factor very high impact factor so uh, we have demonstrated very uh, nicely scientifically that indeed kapasara pudinir as effect when it is served served hot but now again the question and my wonder is how our ancestors siddhars or for that matter the one who proposed to drink this hot how he or she realized uh, in those days yeah the the chemical changes that takes place so rapidly and it is served hot and that is a wonder and uh, we need to really be proud that our people were so fine uh, you know in in the knowledge with the knowledge of uh, these fine chemicals in those days and uh, we need to appreciate and we follow we need to follow it next slide so again but the problem nowadays it siddha medicine tamil nadu government has recently proposed in the last assembly that there is going to be a separate university for siddha medicine for traditional medicine there is going to be a, a separate university will be established and they will be working on i'm going to finish it soon this going to be previous slide please it's going to be the problem with this yes there are very very good uh, you know aspects and good things about our ayurvedic medicine uh, siddha medicine homeopathy medicine and all the problem nowadays is the adulteration people really want to make quick make quick money and uh, mix something something which is not uh, in the prescribed level and the prescribed form for example if it is seed is going to be expensive they put only leaves or roots likewise there is a lot of adulteration is happening and we need to know uh, we need to have a quick method of checking uh, all this uh, ayurvedic medicine or traditional medicines and uh, take measures to ensure the quality and for that uh, this is possible now you for example we have purchased four different products and did the experiment similar experiment as you can see if it happened to be a kind of modern medicine allopathic medicine or there should be kind of similarity or same result should be there if the chemistry is same but unfortunately we have seen all the four of them showing different behaviors so different results and one of them found to be really good and the other thing in this case in, in the electrochemistry you can see that in some cases uh, the the eigenal is not there or very little is there and likewise the other chemicals also was not there in the desired or expected quantity this means uh, very clearly that there is no uniformity in the composition and again this is supposed to be a fine powder when it is sold some people did made it fine powder and some of them just mix mixed and then did some small grinding and put it in the in the raw form 
and our solubility will be different extraction will not be the same with this with the different kind of so this these small small things and uh, during the course of preparation uh, and also quality need to be quality of the traditional medicine need to be ensured if we want to really make um, if we want to really make and promote the traditional medicine to the modern day requirement next slide so we we continue to work on uh, other uh, sensors i mean uh, for food analysis the, with the same concept next food quality especially food adulteration food contamination and this is a really a serious problem that the uh, country is facing now is excessive usage of fertilizers and other uh, pesticides herbicides and again the, the other end preservatives and all these make us to eat lot of chemicals which substantially influence the brain function I, as i just mentioned in the very beginning food is our mind so mind is nothing but the chemicals uh, work i mean it's dominated or controlled by the chemicals chemistry so when you want to maintain the good health of the people mind health of the people next we need to pay attention on the on this aspect we also work on the sensors for uh, pharmaceutical and other nutrition products with this i come to the conclusion and i all uh, heartedly thank uh, want to thank uh, uh, sangam for for giving me an opportunity to present some of my thoughts and also so with the along with, with the, my scientific support and i also would like to thank all my uh, past students and also the present scholars and also a number of funding agencies which gives money to carry out the project and uh, with this i come to the conclusion and here i read this uh, trikural which is now uh, very popular noinadi noi mudalnadi adutanikam vainadi vaipai chayal so our ancestors were so cautious uh, it, it, it the meaning is like just don't attend to your disease don't not only treat your disease but also try to find out the root cause of the diseases that is what it says noi mudalnadi you need to understand what causes what are the responsible factors for causing such diseases that has to be identified and treated for a permanent cure that's the message i hope uh, we are the country will now i is already a number of groups have started working uh, will focus more on this traditional medicine and come out with the acceptable and scientifically acceptable uh, findings with this thank you all and if there are any questions or clarification i'll be happy to respond so krishna asked that recently it has been in news that who and the government of india agreed to establish the who global center for research on traditional medicines using modern scientific experiments and methodology is there any progress about that means the doctors or researchers like you are being contacted or informed to collaborate or participate in uh, these activities yes indeed it's a good observation it's not only india many parts of india including the developed nations have been focusing on this and there is a demand for uh, the expertise and also information from our country also at the national level i'm not sure what is happening but at the tamil nadu government level as i just mentioned uh, the government of tamil nadu proposed to, to open a new start a new university 
uh, exclusively for the traditional medicines. It is going to come up soon in uh, Chennai, and their uh, research and development activities will be taken. See, this is an interdisciplinary area. See, I'm not a doctor, actually. I'm not a, neither a medical doctor nor a practitioner of Ayurveda medicine. I'm uh, now an analytical chemist, I can say, though my background is from physics and, uh, you know, information technology, communication technology, and all this, nanotechnology. But what is needed is the input from the interdisciplinary background like what I have. And uh, I'm sure that the government is going to make use of such people and uh, come out with the, you know, a more input and more knowledge and new knowledge on the old medicines, old treasure, like used to say, it's in fact treasure, for, treasure of India. It's a good observation. I think it will be taken up. Thank you, Professor Sekar. And we at Sangam Talks are doing our best to put this out there and kind of promote it so that it gets noticed. The next question from Krishna is, biosensors made from the biocompatible mineral hydroxy, hydroxyapatite as you prepared, can we find it directly from other natural sources or food other than human bone or is it formed within human body from the food we eat? This is, uh, you know, it's a calcium phosphate. You know, you take uh, calcium and uh, phosphate and uh, during uh, the formative days, formative years, bone is formed naturally. Okay. And uh, so the, that is why we take a lot of calcium rich food and uh, phosphorus also is there. And this nothing but a hydrox is nothing but a calcium phosphate. Okay. So there is a calcium mineral and phosphorus mineral. And when the when the situation is, I mean, when the environment is conducive enough, then uh, this is formed. And uh, in the laboratory, this can be prepared uh, you know, synthetically by mixing calcium and uh, phosphorus in the appropriate ratio and uh, allowing it to react under at certain pH and then eating again at a particular temperature. Uh, we'll be, we are able to prepare and it's not only we and it is established technology now that it can be prepared in the bulk and also in the nanometrical form. Uh, namaste uh, to everyone. Namaste, sir. I am your junior, so uh, the title, sir, yes, I was wondering, uh, when it comes to Ayurveda, because I think generally people have a uh, myth or pre preconception that uh, Ayurvedic uh, medicines, etc., do not have side effects. But uh, as you have already said, that uh, you know, in Ayurvedic, uh, well, trustees, etc., practitioners who are well versed with it would highlight that you know, person who is sensitive to this might have this side effects, etc. And uh, I'm surprised the way even pharmacies, etc., are uh, even doctors are giving away, let's say for in my country, uh, Ayurvedic uh, supplements uh, without uh, you know telling, cautioning you to you know look up the side effects or would do the risk, do your research properly before uh, taking it. Eh? And what's your view about that, uh, sir? Yeah, first of all, thank you for joining. This should be really hard time for you, you know, because given the time difference is concerned. Thank you for joining the talk. And uh, your observation is true. Uh, 
uh, that uh, say there could be side effects no and uh, the question is were there any side effects or not the first question is it could be minimal because most of them are uh, you know some say for example when you look at the kabasara food in air it is uh, edible most of them are food body will accept and uh, those cannot be accepted will be secreted will be sent out will be rejected will be rejected by the organs uh, that is one thing but at the same time i also emphasize that even in the the, the edible ones when it exceeds a certain limit when it exceeds certain limit beyond the, then or when it is continuously exposed then it's a dangerous it's a, it's a, so this is the reason say in, in in the ayurvedic or traditional medicine they give depending on uh, the prescription like how long we take churana allah so one period 10 days 15 days 45 days like that depending on the age and those experienced people and depending on the age sex and again uh, the other factors weight and other factors medicine has to be the quantity that has to be taken has to be decided and uh, if you personally go and take it's a self medication then uh, many a times or you go to the under experienced or uh, people without uh, proper uh, knowledge and if they happen to prescribe then there is a problem so this is the reason why i propagate now or uh, the entire community now that we need to know what is there in the ayurveda medicine siddha medicine like what is there in the allopathy medicine then you can be very confident about yes these are the chemicals uh, in small quantities even if it is in small quantities present in it and then uh, we can confidently prescribe and we can uh, and the people also uh, can take it very happily and that has to happen but so far especially with the people who have a rich knowledge or with lot which with a good experience they have been prescribing it the right quantity for the right people if that is the case there cannot be any side effect so i would just wanted to get your personal view on uh, i mean i don't know if you have read or researched uh, there's this popular indian uh, ayurvedic uh, supplement that's been sold in fiji it's by the himalaya group i think himalaya brand and mm-hmm. one of the supplements i've tried is ashwagandha from them and currently i have uh, tried trying uh, men menta i think it's supposed uh, but the problem is that uh, the bottle uh, does not give you much uh, information and plus the prints on the uh, what the combina- combination or ingredients are so small you cannot tell that if you're getting the right amount of this uh, particular ingredient so i was wondering what's your view about uh, such brands uh, See, the problem there are two it's a problem is of two fold one is that they want to maintain the secrecy of the composition if they tell what are all the components present in the quantity then uh, it's not uh, patented like allopathy medicine and uh, not uh, difficult to make uh, you know it's it's easy to you buy or from the from the ingredients from the market you mix and then you make your own and you sell start selling in pg and then you will not be importing it from india so that is the reason they want to maintain for uh, they don't want to prevail the actual composition uh, with which the the product is made up uh, that is one thing the other aspect is 
also the, the finite uh, information they are also not aware of i don't know himalaya is a big group and uh, they if they have done enough research and found out uh, what are the compositions percent in it and in what uh, I, I, this i'm not sure and for this uh, you know reasons it is not this for me in my opinion this has to be disclosed all the information you have the right to know as a, as the consumer that you are going to eat and uh, you need to know what you are eating what you are taking so this is supposed to be the case but i don't know how the law works with this particularly and uh, yeah i know i've seen i've seen this but uh, this is a point not only this in all the products and uh, uh, i think things have to change patenting copyright if the company has the copyright for a particular product and uh, it can the others cannot sell without uh, no proper approval and uh, then they have the monopoly uh, otherwise if they tell everything about how it is prepared and what is the now kabasara kudinir every individual household could make because of the urgency everything was disclosed and people sold it's one is to one is to one is to all the 15 then you mix it and make it at home like there are uh, you know both the side of the issues and uh, this has to be addressed in future i think uh, we need to educate both the producer and also the consumer so that all the informations are furnished on every product this, this that is because you are consuming internally you are taking and you need to have uh, you need to know what you consume this is my opinion in traditional medicines we are not much informed about the testing methods to take precautions or to detect any disease in earlier stage like in allopathy today were there any texts in in ancient india which talks about the test or checkup methods or uh, these testing methods so this is the question to me right okay okay i i i just started reading i am really i i i could answer only based on my guess and whatever i read so far the lot of information about how it can be prepared how it should be taken and all these uh, these informations are there but uh, and of course you know there are some people who should not eat should not take that is also written for example pregnant women should not be provided with that and kids should not be given and these informations are there but otherwise i am not an expert to answer this that will be only based on my guess and i don't want to do that the material again about treatment resistant depression for example i think in my tell are there any other any other sort of ayurvedic remedies that could be possibly explored for treatment resistant treatments for resistant uh, depression for example if your traditional antidepressants do not work uh... to be very precise i am not aware of the other uh, specific medicine because this is a sensitive issue uh, before uh, confirming i don't want to reveal but what uh, i now propagate and i speak uh, to especially the youngsters is uh, food habit is changing very rapidly okay could have it you know like uh, suddenly uh, i'm not eating what my father and my forefather uh, ate it's uh, it's complete it's mostly very uh, different from and uh, this 
genetical uh, changes uh, you know uh, cannot accept uh, the changes uh, so rapidly genes cannot accept the changes so rapidly so as much as possible for example simple example i told you this is why i introduced my research tyrosine is the amino acid so that is present in your uh, meat especially red meat and again uh, this is cheese and other milk products and when you egg also contain tyrosine and when you take a tyrosine uh, i mean uh, in the form of food that acts as a precursor okay for uh, deriving number of chemicals tyrosine becomes levodopa levodopa dopamine norepinephrine it goes on likewise what uh, i propose is that we need to eat uh, mixed i mean uh, just because of the availability of the food or just because we love one particular food dishes and we continuously eat only those and like uh, in, the, in the past it was not arusvainvanga you need to eat all uh, kind of food it's not only the favorite type so in that way you are your body is provided with the variety of amino acids variety of minerals uh, which act as a precursor for synthesizing a number of uh, chemicals complex chemicals which influences the brain chemistry so i i would i nowadays every meeting i tell especially the students that don't go only for the fast food you eat some of the traditional food and sometimes you may not like it but it is important for your body so the this is because of the you know market driven economy and tv and so many social media is continuously giving a lot of advertisement on specific foods and uh, nowadays we are not deciding what we eat and it is also influenced by um, other sources so my recommendation for you you take nuts specifically a variety of nuts and uh, you know uh, this uh, meat i mean food also traditional in the original form and uh, then that certainly acts as ingredient for strengthening your brain that you will see uh, this is a very broad answer i know very vague answer but recent research as i pointed out at one point of time and so, so i we have collaboration with the uk and also australian uh, psychology psychiatric doctors they say before diagnosing the patient before prescribing they also ask for the food habit the kind of food that the individual is eating on a kind of regular basis that also is taken into so uh, this is the only thing that i can say about in fiji we have very i mean food habits are very similar to what is in india but when there is a marked difference in what uh, we cook with for example uh, oil is much more cheaper here compared to ghee and uh, butter curd etc uh, as opposed to india i think that's one of the factors that is probably contributing to the uh, lifestyle issues uh, lifestyle diseases in fiji probably mental health as well and probably one of the do- issues is that like you said doctors should first focus on the nutrition and analyze the nutrition of the person then uh, advise them accordingly 
And just just one last tidbit. What do you see in the future when it comes to sensors, and IoTs, and RT, artificial intelligence? You can maybe write a post later on if you don't have the time here right now. Yeah. Certainly, it is going to have a strong influence on the health diagnosis, and it will give a direct good feedback and the input for the doctors to diagnose and also prescribe because IoTs, especially. A number of uh, I'm, I'll just finish it within a minute, Nistanya. Uh, number of IoT-based sensors are being are going to be incorporated into our cell phones, especially VOC, volatile organic. The the breath, you know, the exhale breath that I can talk on a different platform. Exhale breath analysis. Every moment you breath out, you know, it is along with your carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide. About thousand five hundred chemicals are coming out every moment you breathe out. More than thousand established chemicals are coming out from the body every moment the individual breathes. So this exhaled breath contains carries lot of information about the health status, the health status of the individual. For example, lung cancer can be diagnosed at the very early stage by detecting hydrogen cyanide concentration in the exhaled breath. Okay, ammonia excess is an indication for the uh, liver failure. Kidney problem, ammonia excess gas. Likewise, acetone can give information about your glucose concentration. You don't need to really prick the blood and take the blood to check your glucose. All these are going to be incorporated in the cell phones, and the future smartphone will be the diagnostic, I mean, mobile diagnostic device, which will in turn be connected to the doctor. And uh, then the every day morning you uh, wake up and uh, give a breath and information will go to your doctor and doctor will call or alarm will go to the doctor if there is any deviation from the routine. And then you or the individual will be called for investigation. Such kind of uh, a rapid advancement is happening in the area of IOT, especially the diagnosis and the future will be Certainly, we will have a lot of positives in terms of diagnosis and obviously which serves as a good uh, for the uh, treatment.